152 yards should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome in, golf fans. This is the once again Broadcasting Live Preferred Lines podcast over on YouTube at the Preferred Lines channel. Also streaming right now on Twitter. We've got an incredible show lined up tonight. Uh, got a great guest, and I'm just excited to, I don't know, talk more about life and golf and just go kind of off topic and on rants with and then we'll get into the board for the Wyndham championship um thank you all for joining me thank you for subbing to the show uh, appreciate all of your support as always before we get started got to mention fantasy golf pod sponsors up there make sure to go follow their new youtube page those at the pga tour dcm or whatever dcm aid my boys and from like a bryson video of like three years ago got their whole youtube account shut down um bastards and now they've had to start over a new channel so if you're here for my channel make sure you go over there and support them as well they've long been supporters of the show merch as always up at preferredlines.com which appreciate your support there quick announcement before i bring on the guest this will be the final episode that I'm going to stream live on Twitter. Uh, so if you're here joining us on Twitter, would appreciate if you'd go over to YouTube at Preferred Lines is the channel. Um, there is a link in my bio as well where you can check that out. Make sure to subscribe. We're going to start continuing to stream over there. I want to get as many people over to that platform as I possibly can. We'll still obviously continue to put all the content out for free on YouTube, but that is going to be the new home weekly where you are going to be able to find the show uh thanks for your support without further ado let's bring on the one the only at kendo vt welcome to preferred lines kenny gim hey what's up man appreciate you having me on looking forward to chat a little bit about golf whatever else we want to talk about yeah so let's start with whatever else so the big news coming out of dc in the past week and i always love kenny when you when you kind of go on off topic on stuff i think some of your best and funniest stuff is not golf related and i gotta ask you man um aliens your thoughts you're just just your thoughts on aliens dude i i mean i'm shocked at how casual people took the news last week i mean like they're like yeah aliens are real we got the bodies yeah and everyone's like cool I, it wasn't even like that big of a deal you would expect that to be like the biggest story possible, right? Ever. I mean, it, it, it was a it was an intelligence officer who was under oath. Yeah. I mean, like, he's under oath with penalty of perjury and jail time. And he says the United States has UFOs. The United States has alien bodies. bodies. The bodies is what got me. You yeah. know what I'm saying? The, the bodies is what got me. So, you know, you're saying, like, you know, fucking you know, Independence Day was the truth? Like, they got them stored away somewhere. I mean, will these aliens come looking for their boys? Like, what's the deal about that? You know, my boys get stranded on a planet. I'm going to try and come save them. You know, I, I'm a little worried about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. So I think the only story that I can imagine, like when we're like, there were like two great 
mysteries of the world like forever it was like is there life on other planets and is there an afterlife like is there heaven the only bigger story than this could possibly be that there's like definitive proof that there's a heaven and a hell and they exist and they're real and we know about it um yeah, yeah it was just happen. was just wild stuff i can't <laughs> i wonder if they're just like if they're just sort of like coming here with bad intentions or they're just like so far advanced, they're just checking in on like what these idiot earthlings are like up to just keeping a pulse from a distance. I mean, more than likely if they can come to our planet, their intelligence is going to be a lot more than ours. So they're just probably like, you know, binge watching reality, reality TV. Like, All right, let's see what's going on on earth. Click the channel. You know, you watch Rick and Morty. They got the uh, they got the streams from all the different galaxies. I mean, maybe that's what they're doing. I I don't know. I mean, like they're coming down here, testing the water, seeing stuff out. They've probably been here before, like we were around. I mean, like yeah, I don't know. Like if they have enough technology to be able to come here from wherever the fuck planet they're coming from, they're probably old. Yes, they've probably been here before for a while. Yeah, they're probably living totally different. They probably like my wife was saying when she's like, I want like they're probably so far advanced. They don't sleep. They just they're just like, look at these idiots down here. But yeah, moving on to sort of the big news in the golf world. Well, I guess not the big news, but like everyone sort of got opinions on Justin Thomas right now. What's going on in the world of JT and falling off the cliff? I put out there on Twitter. Um, so he talked in like April, May about like this drastic change in his diet and how he cut out like gluten and dairy and like basically is barely even eating meat and won't touch pizza, or, like nothing. And as someone who like was kind of forced into changing their diet up quite a bit, do you think I may be on to something there? I just don't know, like an athlete, I guess it's different scenarios, but an athlete in their prime changing up their diet for like non like health reasons when they're still very healthy is a skeptical move that I feel like rarely, rarely works out. I mean, it works for Keegan, right? I mean, didn't Keegan sure. go through the same thing and, and he changed his diet and he's had a couple of wins in the past year, year and a half. Uh, I think it's more stuff going on at home. I mean, he just got married. His wife is pregnant. Uh, you know, that type of thought, you know, golf is, a, is, I mean, like Patrick Harrington had a, had a thing like uh, I think he was talking about, uh, you know, or maybe it was Bernard Longer. It was one of those those old guys. They, they, they were talking in the interview about how there's like 10, 15, 20,000 guys that have the same skill level as the guys that play on tour. Hmm. Right. The reason why they're not on tour is the mental aspect of the game. They don't have it mentally because golf is. Like, you know, it's it's a repetition sport. You do the same thing over and over and over again. You know, your body mechanics get used to it. You swing a thousand times a day. You're that's what you're gonna be used to. Your 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 body mechanics know what's happening. Uh and and it, and it feels comfortable most of the time. The thing that the the difference between people is gonna be in their heads. Um, and so I, I think there's something's wrong with with mentally with, with JT. I don't think it's physical. I don't think it's his swing. I don't think it, it's something that's changed in his lifestyle that causes him to not be as mentally strong as he once was. It, it, I mean, but this happens to all golfers. They all go through lulls, and a lot of the times it's all. I mean, I would say 95 percent of the time it's mental. Um, you yeah. know, I mean, it's not like skill just goes away. You know, I mean, it's not like the way they swing just goes away. Uh, so I, it's it's a mental aspect. So something's wrong in JT's head. 
Uh, and, and the first two things that I could think of is, you know, newlywed and his wife is pregnant. And he has more thoughts outside of golf than he's ever had in his life and trying to manufacture and cradle all those thoughts, you know, and, and be able to compartmentalize when you're on the golf course. Maybe that's tough for him. Yeah, you make a great point there about those other things and how that can all like the the sum of everything is a heavy weight to sort of bear. And like it kind of reminds me the one thing I think of is like, you know, there, there's so much energy, right? There's so much battery life in his body. And the more apps that this guy has open on his phone, it the more everything is sort of clouding and dragging that sort of battery life down. Like at one point, the only app in JT's visual world was golf, right? And now he's got this changing of the diet, moving into a new house, marriage, a child on the way, becoming a bigger superstar, social media, sponsor obligation. All of a sudden, the accumulation of all these different things tend to wear on you. And it's different. Like the one thing I will say is like, it, the swing doesn't look different to me. And maybe someone who analyzes a golf swing better, like a Travis Fulton or someone like that, can tell me different. But with Ricky Fowler, there was a noticeable change in the swing. With Jordan Spieth, like everyone was pointing to like, okay, at the top, he used to be here. And now the swing is here. Like it's out of whack. With both of those guys, it was clearly out of whack. For him, everything looks the same. Everything's on plane. He pulls off great shots. He's not putting well, but he's never done that. So it has to be all something that's going on inside the workings of the brain there yeah i mean some got people react differently to situations like this like some golfers will will fare better because they know that they have to look after uh, a family and a child i mean look at sergio garcia he didn't win his first major until he found the love of his life and they got married a month afterwards and then after he got married it was he sucked but you know he, he had that 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 sort of um, stabilization in his life and it seemed to help him for a little bit, you know, and mentally, you know, and you, it, it just depends on how you, it's different for every golfer. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, some guys can go in, get married, have kids, and they get better. Uh, you know, it's just how you go about that process. And I just don't think he knows, I, I don't think he's there yet mentally. And that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah. Because, you know, he's he was the number one player in the world three years ago, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like. And like he won a major last year from seven strokes back, you know, yeah. one of the most epic comebacks in major history, you know, yeah. uh, and and to, to be where he is now, it's all mental, uh, I think, for him. And it, it's been a struggle until he gets over that, that, that whatever he's dealing with mentally. I mean, I don't know. We're just spitballing here. Yeah. But like whatever he is dealing with mentally until he gets over that, the game's not going to come back. I tell you what, I give him I give him credit, and maybe we shouldn't be handing out credit to a professional golfer for playing golf, but I do give him credit for continuing to be in the midst of all this stuff going on outside the world of golf in his life, for continuing to get out there. He's back out there again this week. It's the final week to qualify for the FedEx Cup race. He's on the outside looking in. I think I saw a tweet today that he needs a solo 18th place finish or better. Um, this year, you know, speaking of the FedEx Cup, we obviously get this adjustment period where it goes from a full field first event straight to 70, right? The top 70 make it next week. There are some weird, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the standings today, but some things don't 
really add up to me from like an eyeball test perspective. Like I'm looking at Shane Lowry is at 76, but Patrick Rogers is 38, right? Hideki's at 56, but Seamus Power is at 28. Has Seamus Power added? So uh, the system in a it's whole. It's all about money, right? Isn't it dollars? No, it's about it's a point system based on wins. And I think there's what I, what I think the biggest gripe for me is, and I think probably some of the players like Shane Lowry and JT is that um, the 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 points aren't staggered in a way that is relative to field strength quite enough. So if you finish 14th at an elevated event, it's not worth, you know, weighted that much more than finishing 14th at a swing season event coming in a couple of weeks, which is where like someone like power Rogers was able to stack those points is the system. If it's not really working for players, if it's not really understandable and digestible for fans, is it something that this whole FedEx cup thing in your opinion should just be blown up or is there a real value to it moving forward to these next three weeks? I mean, a lot of the times it comes down to, you know, how many times you go out and play. I mean, you look at Shane Lowry, he's played like 20 times. There's golfers mm-hmm. who've played 18, 19, 20 times uh, that are on the bubble. Adam Scott, how many times has he played this year? 15 yeah. maybe, 16 times. And you got guys out here playing 37 weeks out of like 44. Eric Cole. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Literally playing like every week till he dies. And, you know, and that's how he's making his points. Um, so, I mean, based on what we have in front of us, you have to make a decision. Um, you know, are you going to play all these events and make it to the FedEx Cup? Or are you going to rely on high finishes and, and lower your, your total event total? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, the, and the guys who are normally on top of their game, uh, you tend to play less events. So that means you have to step up and play well in those events. If you don't, if you only have one or two top tens in those 16, 20 events that you've played, um, that's not going to be enough. Um, if you miss a couple of those cuts, that's not going to be enough. Uh, you know, with guys playing 30 weeks, if guys are playing, you know, 30, 30% more than, than, than some of these guys. And that's why they're in, uh, yeah. because that it's all a point total. You accrue points. You can, you're allowed to play every second week on the PGA tour if you want, you know, and it's the decisions that they make. Um, now, you know, the big thing is you were talking about JT, you know, you got to get in that top 50. Uh, you know, really to make that designated events next year. And that's the big thing. And, and, you know, guys who play 34 events, they got a better chance. I mean, that's just the way it's going to go. I mean, that's the way the system is now. Should it change? I don't know. Uh, Are you going to give people who play 30, 35 times a year a disadvantage somehow for playing more? Uh, I don't think you could do that. Uh, So I, I don't see how that happens. I mean, really, the only people we're talking about here are probably Adam Scott, JT Lowry, you know, who are the big names outside that are elite level golfers that are outside the top 70. Everyone else did their job. Yeah. Uh, they had enough top 10s. They had enough top wins where they only played. I mean, some guys have played only 17 events, um, you know, and, and they've done enough. Uh, if you, if you're going to go in that route, you better do well in those, in those events you're playing in, or you're going to be left the fuck out because there's hungry ass golfers out here playing 30 to 35 weeks a year. Yeah, you're 100% right. And I I feel like um, I've never liked this iterization of a playoff system for the PGA Tour. I think the Tour Championship sucks. I think the method of accruing FedEx Cup points, whether it's you know something like what happened to Will Zalatoris or most recently Akshay Batia or these guys, just the way that the point system, it's not digestible for fans. And I wonder, and the reason I think that we're in for a complete overhaul 
is I think the way to sort of fix the playoffs, one, I've always been an advocate of of some sort of a match play system um, for the finish. But it'll be interesting with the merger, right? Because I don't know if you saw it, like right before we hopped on here, I saw a thing from John Rahm where he finally made some comments about um, the whole merger and basically said, like, it was a shock to me how we were so divided and now they want us to come together. And he was like, I don't think live players have any interest in playing PGA tour events. I don't think they do either. I think he's right about that. And they're not going to want to play live events, but the the way to like get some interest up and get some eyeballs on a playoff system would be to have a way for like the top five live guys to somehow get in this three week series. And they go head to head for like three straight weeks for an ultimate, like, world golf champion is crowned in the end of it through match play and you can get like a brooks versus rory head to head which is i think would be like a great way for them to like capitalize on some of like all the media narratives that have been going on and just get some attention on the sport which i think uh, it was something that i would sort of love to see and have a few of those guys slip into this thing next year i think a match play system can create more stars too. You know, you, you go to the tour championship at the top 32 and do a 16, you know, 16 yeah. bracket, uh, sweet 16 type bracket, single elimination. You know, you're going to get some huge upsets and some guys who you never thought would be tour champion to be tour champion. And, and, and you know, what golf, they, I mean, do they, who are the superstars in golf now? Rory? Tiger, but like, but yeah. Tiger don't play. Rory, Spieth, yeah, Rom, Scheffler. I mean, Spieth ain't even that that good anymore. Uh, he hasn't mm-hmm. been. I mean, so it's Rom, Rory, and Scheffler. Those yeah. are the superstars. That's not enough, right? Uh, you know what I'm saying? You have to be able to grow the stars. And so the thing about the Tour Championship is the same guys are playing every year. You know, and they and and at least the top ten, top fifteen. You get the bottom fifteen, you get some new new heads. Uh, and to, to get those guys to the start on the, they, they have to beat a Rory. If the, what, if the, what if a guy goes in and beats a Rory, a Rahm, and Scheffler in three rounds? You yeah. know, he, instant starter, right? Yeah. I, I mean, he becomes one of the biggest names in golf. And he wins, what, 15 million, 20 million, whatever they win. Um, yeah. I think that's a, I think it's a great idea to go match play for the for the tournament for the uh, for the tour championship. Yeah, I think what they're worried about is like obviously you get a 32 seed that beats Rory in the first round, but I don't think they should be that worried about. It. Rory's better; he should win in that format. And maybe if you're so worried about it, maybe have the higher seed like I don't know, maybe have the like handicap like the higher seed just starts the match one up, right? You're one up or you're Something, two up. Yeah. If, you're, if you're the number one seed, you start two up, and the 32 seed has got to chase him down. You know or what I'm you saying? Or you get the pick. Yeah. The top six, like the top 16, you get a draft, snake draft. The top oh, 16, you know, number one goes first, he gets the pick who he plays. Number two goes next, he gets the pick who he plays in the first round and go in that direction. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be cool. So before we talk about Wyndham, Ryder Cup coming up, the odds have shifted, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. So – the USA about a month ago was like minus 200, minus 220 in some spots. I look today, they're down to minus 150. Um, and there have been a lot of people that I respect, um, you know, DB from Tour Junkies and Feinberg and others that have just come out and been like, I've already got bets in on Team Europe. I already have um, bets the value. in on Team Europe. You have a bet in? Yeah. I At what point plus, do you think, though, that Team USA becomes – like a bet, like if it gets down to minus one forty, would do you think that's a number that's considerable? Because I do still think that they have the better team. They have the better 
the top six is pretty close. The next six guys, I think the USA has an advantage in all six of them, depending on how the course plays out. But do they? Who's the next six? Morikawa, who hasn't won in two years. If JT makes the team, what the fuck? I don't know if he is. I don't think he does. I don't think he makes the team either. Spieth, no wins this year. Um, I mean, uh, who who else? Cameron Young, no wins. But it's going to be like Cameron Young versus Adrian Moronk. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's going to be, if you look at whatever matchup he's going to be in in there, he's going to be ahead like minus 200 in that individual i think they're going to be but, but why it's not like he's been playing well I, yeah. he has he's had a couple of good weeks here recently but before that he sucked for about two months you know so there's the there's there no anything, number you'd take team usa or what's no, the number no I, I i think europe wins yeah i think europe wins i'm not betting the united states i'll root for the united states i want the us to win yeah. i am an american I, i'm not going to go against that but you know when you're betting you got to bet smart and they haven't won in Europe since 1993. Really? They haven't won in Europe since 1993. It, so, so what is that? 30 years. 15, uh, 15 Ryder Cups, so like seven or eight Ryder Cups that they have not won. Uh, and, and, you know, and they lost. They lost in '89. So, I mean, like, it, it, and the way they're smart, the way they pick the course, it, it's going to depend on Luke Donald and who he picks in those last few. Aaron Rye should make the team. I mean, yeah. if we're talking about that, if if they're going to tighten everything up uh, in Italy, make make the fairways tight, make the rough super long, and make it difficult to go out there for the Americans who, you know, driving accuracy is not their thing for the majority uh, of the team. They're just going to pound it out there and rely on their iron game. Well, if you're hitting out a four and a half inch rough, you're going to lose. Yeah, <laughs> you're just going to lose. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they can set up the course any way they want. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's what makes like it's what makes the Ryder Cup so cool and interesting. It's like no other sports. You, like you, you don't go to the World Cup in soccer and like get to create your own soccer field. You don't get to like the USA basketball and the Olympics is so great. But like all of a sudden, Argentina wants to play half court for a game. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's so unique to sort of golf where they get to basically create their own golf course with there's really no rules like they could kind of do whatever they want it's like they have the existing golf course but in terms of fairway width and all like to my knowledge there are no rules that like bars them if they wanted to have the rough eight inches high if they wanted to i mean with analytics and everything nowadays i mean these these teams should be looking at that i mean if you have a home game in the Ryder cup you look at the analytics you look at the data of your opponents see where their major weaknesses are and cater the course to those, you know, so those weaknesses are, you know, involved. They're, they're a big deal. They're, they're, it's going to happen. And they, you know, the Europeans aren't dumb. That's the way they've made these courses year in and year out. Every time they have a home match on the Ryder Cup, uh, yeah. I, there, there's no more DJ. There's, I mean, Kepka might not even make the team. I, I mean, so you're losing those live guys. You're losing, you're losing DJ. You're losing Kepka. You're losing. I don't even think if Kepka's out of the top six, I don't think he makes the team. Why? Uh, like you think I, it's a it's a personal I think thing it's, for Zach I, Johnson? I think, it's, I think it's Zach Johnson. He's gonna they're gonna they're gonna go. This is just an opinion. This is just an opinion. I don't know what Zach yeah. Johnson is thinking, but he seems like a team player, right? A, a pro PGA. I mean, yeah. uh, it right. would not shock me if no live players 
played in this event. It would not shock me at all if Kepka did not play here. And so you're missing DJ, you're missing Kepka, you're missing Bryson. You know, those are three guys that could possibly help your team. And I think they're probably better than the bottom three that you're picking from on the United States team. You know, right? So you're losing a little bit there. And, and, and the guys, like I said, like Finau, if Finau makes a team, he's like ranked 19th in the FedEx yeah. Cup standings. You know, I mean, Willie Z is ranked higher than Finau right now. Like these guys on the bottom six, they're, I, I don't see, I mean, there is a little bit of difference, but when you take into the home field advantage and maybe Luke Donald picking the right people for this for this job, I mean, Strzok is a grinder, you know? <laughs> He's out there grinding. You know, he, he plays well in tournaments in tough conditions. That's sort of his shit, right? You throw him in there, throw in Rye, who hits every single fucking fairway there can possibly be. You know, I it's going to be a tough battle. Yeah. It's going to be tough. It it's going to be close. And I'm going to take the, the, the plus money. Okay, so let's talk about this week. Um, I saw the previews out over at Gup's Corner, your course preview. What's, like, the number one thing you're looking for in terms of, like, a player to have in their skill set this week to succeed here? Besides, besides of course, being Koreans who will always crush it here. I Yeah, they do crush it here. I mean, you know, it's, it's this one's – Wyndham, you sort of know what you're looking for every single time. Yeah. I mean, like, like, like course history is super sticky here. So you want guys who've played well here in the past. You want guys who are accurate off the tee. You want guys who are good from 100 to 175 yards. You want guys who can put on Bermuda. There you go. Yep. I saw, too, that you tweeted out earlier today, which I thought was great, the greens and regulation percentages yeah. from both the fairway and the rough, which I think is a, is a huge thing. So it's like 80% from the fairway and mm-hmm. like under 50% from the rough. So mm-hmm. you've got to keep it in the short grass, and we've seen that sort of year over year. Let's look at some guys sort of on the uh, on the odds. Oh. All right, favorite now. Ooh, let me scroll up a little bit. Favorite now is Hideki Matsuyama, who is still 20 to 1. So that is the best number available. Um, no one inside that number, which is an unusual week. I can't tell if they're if the books sort of know something is up this week or they just weren't quite sure what to do and wanted to throw us some good numbers. But some attractive prices if you like these guys. Hideki's been playing great. Henley's 20 to 1. Sung Jay is 20 to 1. Siwoo Kim, 22 to 1. Sam Burns, 25. Denny McCarthy is 30, Poston 33, Shane Lowry is 33 to 1. Um, who, if I asked you to pick one guy from sort of this top range, do you have the most confidence in, Kenny? I mean, you know, if we're going, uh, I'm with sort of with you. If we're going like 35 to 1 and below, I like Denny and JT. Uh, mm-hmm. Poston, JT too. Poston uh, this week. Those are my two bets. I've already bet them at 35 to 1. Uh, those are the ones that I will be betting on. If I had to go somewhat up higher, I'd probably pick Hideki. He looks the best out of all these guys. Like if you're playing DraftKings in the 10K and up range, you know, like the top five guys on the board. I mean, he had basically almost a first round lead last last week. Um, if I was going to go in that direction, I'd probably lean Hideki. I've already seen some sharp guys like uh, across the pond. I, I think like. Bamford, I think maybe Coley. I, I, I don't know, maybe not Coley, but like Bamford. I know a few of them have Hideki already on uh, their betting card. I had him last week. Um, I thought he would do his thing. He sort of fizzled out on the weekend. But, you know, his game looks like it's there. You know, he's top 15, top 20, top 10 on occasion uh, for a bunch in the last like two and a half months. Um, he And, and, I, and I, I, it would be tough between him and Henley. 
uh, if I'm going up top. Because I, when it comes to DFS, I like Russell Henley, uh, probably the best out of these guys, just, you know, when you take into a price uh, and all that stuff. But my two bets that I've already made, JT Post and Denny McCarthy. Yep, I took Denny early. I was I was kind of always going to be there. I didn't really have to look any stats. Uh, Ryan, who you guys you had on Fantasy Golf Degenerates um, on that show this week, we were talking last week about like what Denny's odds were going to be, and we were thinking like twenty two to one. So the 33, 35s came out this morning. We hit it. Um, JT Poston is an interesting one. Obviously, three top six finishes in his last four starts. He's been on fire. Uh, one here in twenty nineteen as well. The interesting one for me that I think is somewhat overlooked and the recent form has not been good. But when you look here at the demand, increased demand on driving accuracy, right? And we talked about the percentage in terms of hitting greens and also how course history can kind of be sticky. Um, Two guys you think of driving accuracy guys, Russell Henley hits 71% of fairways. Aaron Rye hits 73 and a half percent of fairways in the last 36 rounds. Siwoo Kim hits over 73% of fairways. Like he has become an incredibly accurate driver. I think that he's the longer than the other two off the tee. He's just really been bleeding strokes putting, but this is a place where he's always putted it really well. He's got a second, a third and a fifth in his last four starts here. Um, If you can kind of overlook the miscut at the open championship, and it looks like he missed a cut at the travelers as well. If you bump back a little, you know, fourth place at the Memorial, he was in some good form before that. So he's one that I would love to see like a 26, 28 to one. I don't think we're going to get there, but I think that he's an intriguing play from from sort of a, a DraftKings perspective, being that, you know, you look here, he's the fourth guy on the odds board, right? Well, he's like the one, two, three, four, the ninth or 10th guy down in your DraftKings board. He's at $9,000 even. I think that if you want to play like an upside high-end guy, you could almost start a lineup potentially with Siwoo and have just a ton of dollars. You know, we talked about strategies with Pat a few weeks ago, but I kind of like that. And going as far down with the first guy as I can, and I still feel like I can hold some win equity, it just gives you so much more room with the next the guys in your roster. I mean, Siwoo is one of my cash game cornerstones. Um, in DFS, so he's 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 in the lineup already. So he's one of my one of my guys. I'm actually starting. I'm doing exactly what you're talking about. I'm starting my lineup, my cash lineup. When I you know for all my double ups, I play like you know two hundred dollars worth of double ups. Uh, and to do that, I, I, and I use one lineup for it. So I have Siwoo, I have um, JT Poston, and JT Poston is my highest price guy at ninety two hundred. So it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, to build moving down team. right past Shane Lowry. Obviously, Justin Thomas is here at thirty-five to one. Aaron Rye, who we spoke about at forty, uh, Adam Scott at forty to one. Smallies forty. Keith Mitchell's at forty. Actually, Keith Mitchell withdrew. I did see that. Um, Ludwig's here at forty. Jaeger, Cam Davis, Benny Honor at forty-five to one. Then we start to get to this fifty to one range with like Hadwin and Kirk. Um, anyone in this sort of middle range that has your attention? I mean, 40 to one's not the best number for Smalley. I've seen like 60 earlier this morning, and I probably should have jumped on that. But I like Alex Smalley. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, he's his iron game has been really, really strong here, especially here recently. I like the way he's been playing. He's had a couple of finishes here, like the 29th and 13th. Uh, prior to his miscut at the Scottish, he had a couple of top 10s uh, in like three previous events. Um, I, yeah, I sort of like him. I don't like that number. Uh, but you know, if you can get him in anything better than maybe like 50 to one or better, I might wait for that. See if he can't get a boost when it comes down to there, I, I'd say, 
I know Baroff's big on Adam Scott. Um, yeah. I, I couldn't make the bet, but he might have talked me into him for DFS. And uh, Cam Davis is sort of intriguing uh, at 45 yeah. with the good course history and good play and good form. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm between Adam Scott, who you mentioned, and Cameron Davis. Um, I initially thought that Scott was kind of an easy play here at 40 to 1. But then I started looking into Cameron Davis, and you would think that a shorter golf course wouldn't necessarily align great with his skill set, but it actually does in terms of strokes gained off the tee. I was looking at courses, uh, short golf courses. He's number one in the entire field. Um, he's also top five and birdies are better on short golf courses. So he's found the ability to really kind of hone in. And I don't necessarily I should look more into it if it's due to sort of him clubbing down and taking driver less. But without a doubt, he's found success. Now, he does not hit a lot of fairways, which shocks me. He's 113th there, which worries me. But he's got good course history here, a 15th a few years ago. A nice finish last week at the 3M, where I think that he let a little bit bleed late. But he made a very early run in that sort of final round to at one point get himself inside the top four. Right sort of on that fringe line of getting in next week to the St. Jude as well. So he knows he needs another good performance. And a guy that I just... I had really high expectations for him this year, and he had the illness, and he just sort of did not deliver on many of those expectations that I had. But I still think there's some time and some juice left to squeeze, and I think that ultimately he might be the play. But by Wednesday, I'll have the card out, and I'm going to make a decision here between Davis and Scott. Yeah, I mean, it sounds good. I mean, I, I really wasn't thinking about it. I just got too much, like I said, until Baroff, uh, you know, at, just to record the pod with Baroff this week. Uh, but Cam's sort of been on my mind. I, you know, I've already basically, I don't think I'm going to go anybody. I, I've done like JT and Denny and then a bunch of bombs. I think my card is good. I might add one more. Um, you know, we'll see who it is. I, you know, but I'm not sure yet. Yeah. Tell me about a few of the bombs. Give me a, give me a name or two that you like. I mean, I sort of like, um, I mean, if we're going deep uh, here, uh, I like Dylan Wu at like 125 to 1. Uh, that somebody, you know, after a really good performance last week, like when it looks at this, when you look at the stats, uh, they just seem to stick out for me, especially for a guy who's, you know, 125 to one. I took the eight places each way. Uh, but, you know, his iron game is strong. He putts well, uh, you know, really good all from 400 to 450 yards. Uh, the par fours, there's eight of those this week at Sedgefield. Um, I think he had top 10 last week. Uh, he's one that sort of caught my eye. Doc Redman's going to be popular going to be a, a North Carolina boy went to Clemson, you know, 125 to one uh, that you can get to. Um, if you're going even farther, um, you know, I sort of like Max McGreevy, 400 to one, um, you know, eight places each way is the way I took the bet. He came in fifth last week, played decent last week, or fifth last year, uh, top 30 last week, or and he might have fallen out of the top 30. I'm trying to remember. It's either top 30 or he made the cut. I don't have it in front of me. But, uh, you know, just because I, and I, if I remember, he might be a local guy. Not sure. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, a few that I like. In, in two ones that stuck out pretty easy that I think are going to be pretty popular. But um, you look at guys like in this long shot odds range, and there are two players really that are gaining um, – that are gaining over a stroke per round over their last 36 rounds. And one of them is Eric Cole. 
So I think he's going to be popular. I think the 66s are a very fair number on Cole, given how he's like I had him last week and he was on route to a missed cut and a trunk slam and somehow turned it around and managed to top 30 at the 3M. So he's been finding a way. The other interesting one to me is Adam Shank. And I think there are 90 to ones available. So he's another guy that I bet. And then I thought a little bit about what do you think about Batia this week? I know that he I, I believe he makes North Carolina home right now. He plays a lot of golf there. Um, you know, kind of has a little bit of a motivation, maybe a chip on his shoulder. The wind is not going to show up in a lot of stat models that you may be looking at if you're not pulling stats from that, you know, sort of awkward off field event with the weird scoring. But uh, I just think that his skill set is really good. And if he can put it well, it's an intriguing number. I'm just a fan of his game. I like the way he plays. Uh, he sort of goes for the gusto a lot. I like him uh, a lot. And like you said, he's motivated. I mean, you know, he's pissed off that he that stupid ass rule, so he can't get into the playoffs. I've heard rumors that he's been talking to Liv. Rumors, who knows? Uh, you know uh, that he's been talking to Liv. I mean, that's how angry he was that he wasn't on there. Maybe he just wants to stick it in their in their face, get this W, get in the tournament, do his thing, and then sign the contract for Liv for next year. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. The other super long, long shot that I like is is Sam Bennett, and he's 175 to one, and he's had a couple of of sort of hit and miss tournaments. But Sam Bennett's strength is hitting fairways. The thing that I keep coming back to with him is I love I love the talent, and the upside of Ludwig. I think that from a skill set standpoint, Ludwig is on another planet than Sam Bennett. But from a what they've earned, what they've gotten out of their careers thus far as both being basically in their sort of rookie year, Sam Bennett's accomplished more. He's got more notches under his belt. He played in the Masters in a round with John Rahm and Brooks Kepka. He played in the U.S. Open with Scotty Scheffler. Like, this guy has made some runs. He had a, a decent week, I want to say maybe at the Travelers a few weeks ago, but I just think that he's been able to stack some good tournaments together and have that sort of edge and experience. And I don't, while I think that they're vastly different players skill-wise and maybe in five years, right now for someone like Ludwig to be 35 to 40 to 1 and Sam Bennett to be like 5x that number on the betting price, I think that with all the hype on Aberg, I think that you're getting better value for your dollar on a lesser-known guy like Bennett, especially if you want to go chase like a top 20 or top 40 bet. Yeah, I mean, you know, top 20, top 40 works for me for those guys. I I, I mean, these guys are going to be the next batch of superstars. We'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, Ludwig is the uh, the flavor of the month, and that's why, you know, his number is what he is. But the guy's talented. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, with the driver, he's, he's going to be one of the best drivers on tour. I mean, you see him hit it long. He hits it pretty fucking straight, too. Uh, he's he's going to do some damage. So is Sam Bennett. Both these guys are going to be strong. Uh, not trying to catch him at the right time, uh, you know, something like this. Uh, yeah, it just makes sense to go with Ben because I'm not betting Ludwig at 40 to 1, even in this event. You know, he's what played like six pro tournaments. Could he win? Of course he could. Uh, the guy's massive talented. Uh, but, you know, I'd rather just take the five times points, uh, you know, and go with Sam. I like the way you, th you think. I'm not going to bet him. I'm not the biggest fan of uh, him at this course. But, uh, you know, I think. For the talent level there, some, he's someone to keep an eye on if he's going to be continuing in the triple-digit-to-one range. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you got there. Obviously, the article, the course preview article is out now on Gup's Corner. Um, the podcast, I'm sure, will be available shortly with Barrett, the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast. Uh, any other content for you this week? What are your, you got any big offseason plans? What else is going on in the world of Kenny Kim? Oh, uh, I mean, uh, so end of August for my birthday, I'm going to go to the U.S. Open for the first three days of the tournament. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, the first or the first week of the U.S. Open. Then I come back. And I go to Pinehurst for five days. The U.S. Open so, on what? Tennis. Oh, cool. Okay. Hey, you know, I used to be like, you know, a tennis player. Like, I, I taught tennis. I used to be a tennis pro at a country club really? for years. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah I was a tennis pro at a country club here in uh, Northern Virginia for about three years. Taught a lot of tennis. Um, played in men's leagues, uh, you know, probably until my mid-30s. And then, you know, I enjoyed drinking and sitting on the couch and watching golf more and being active which you can you know sort of tell uh with, with what's going on uh and so, so i sort of stopped around then but you know i i used to give lessons to people still in my 30s uh in, into my mid-30s and so uh tennis was always my best sport and so I, and then I, you I go into pioneers to play yeah and then i'm going to pioneers for an our fantasy uh, I, I just joined this auction league fantasy football auction league that's been around for like 15 years and there's like a waiting list to get in. And I finally got in, right? With some of my boys. And this year, every year they do the auction of some wild place. And this year it's going to be a Pinehurst. That's awesome, dude. Well, best of luck with everything. I genuinely appreciate you making some time to come on the show. Always good to talk to you. We usually, it's been a couple of Mayo shows, so I'm happy to, to finally have you over here to the preferred lines action. And, and thanks for joining me, man. Best of luck. Yeah, definitely, man. Thanks for having me on. Joe, you're one of the best out there, man. I, I have to admit, I love your content always great stuff and you're just such a nice guy you know it's it's just it just it works out i'm a big fan appreciate it man i hope you have a great week talk soon all right guys uh thanks for hanging with me for the show make sure also a reminder once again last week streaming live on twitter moving strictly over to youtube earlier today um i appreciate you guys checking it out make sure to subscribe to that youtube channel give a comment on the video maybe like all those things really help genuinely support the show. Um, thank you. This season, this season has been, this season has been a grind. I'm sure people like Kenny would attest that there is an influx. I would say of a lot of really, really good people producing golf content. And I think that that has really brought a ton of opportunities for many but it's also made it very some in somewhat hard because there aren't that many people out there like willing to like step up and sponsor a show, right? Willing to step up and, and pay you for doing all the hard work that you put in. And, and I've kind of been along the lines of what we talked about JT. I'm wondering, like I'm at this point where I have so many apps open and so many action and I'm putting so much input into this and what's the output. Um, and I was really struggling on the direction and what to do with the show for potentially next season. Um, I appreciate all your support. I had a great call right before I went on the show. Um, and I got to shout out Pat Mayo for taking the time. And I, I asked him basically just for some advice on it. And like, he didn't just write me back a quick DM. Like he was willing to hop on a zoom call with me for like 30 minutes. And I'm not going to get into all the things that we talked about, but was just super inspirational to me to sort of keep going and to be proud of sort of what I built and know there's no presenting sponsor here and ad roles that are going on and making, you know, turning this into sort of a profitable entity that I had kind of hoped. But I think that there is a lot of um, 
there's progress, right? And I think that progress is something that we can all look toward. And sometimes we get very short-sighted about it when it's about ourselves. But to have someone that we genuinely look up to and is someone that is is up there sort of on a pedestal and that you admire and that you appreciate and that you hold in a very high regard, um, tell you to just keep going, I think is inspirational. So that was extremely helpful to me. If I can be that to anyone out there, whether it's golf related, whether it's content related, whether it's life, I'd be happy to. I get a ton of joy out of out of sort of passing on what I can. And I try to be a good person, like Kenny mentioned. I try to be a good father. I try to be a good employee. And I just try to make good content for this show as well. And a lot of these things are a lot to carry on a week-to-week basis. And it's it gets hard to come home from work at 6 o'clock to cook dinner, to get the kids down, to rush to do a show three nights a week. Um, it gets to be a lot. So it was very appreciative of someone like Pat and all the people who have sent me comments over the last six months. I just wanted to take a few moments to express my gratitude for people that have supported the show and supported my content, not only recently, but through the years. I can't thank you enough. Like it, it truly, genuinely means the world to me. My family, the people that support me are, are everything. So thank you very much for being along the ride for this season. I hope that you're able to join us, even though we're moving off the Twitter sort of streaming onto the YouTube channel next week. Subscribe over there. It would be a huge help for me. Thank you all for your time tonight. This has been Preferred Lines. I wish you all the best of luck this week. Go hit a winner at the Wyndham, uh, and I'll catch you next week for the St. Jude. Thanks, guys.